Hello and welcome. Coming to you from the Cryptid Coliseum, I'm Josh. And I'm John. And Skunk Ape Nachos? It's a little weird. It seems like a bad choice. But regardless, this is the Geek ETC Podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. And we are back here in the studio. Another good day. Feels a little different this time, though. It does feel a little different, and there's a good reason for that. Why is that? And that reason is, for the first time, we have our first special guest. Cue the the air horns. Yes. Um, yeah. So we have our, we have our buddy Ben. You guys, we have uh, talked about him in the past. If you listen to our Brown Mountain Lights episode, oh right. Well, uh, we've talked about Ben several times in there. Ben's since moved away to the southwest of. United States of America and is no longer with us yes, uh, physically, unfortunately. Yeah. But he sad is sad circumstance, but you know, good for his life. So <laughs> uh, he's he's also got a great Instagram page uh, we follow called Sci-Fi or Die. He's a big kit basher in the modeling scene, and we we love his work there. And nice. so, yeah, welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things that we're really excited about is Ben kind of like sight unseen before we even talked about putting him on the podcasts. Uh, and even though this episode is definitely a Ben, John and Josh themed podcast, right. uh, Ben sent us a present. And so, right. Which I completely did not expect. Yeah. So <laughs> that came out of the blue, I will say, but Hey, it's cool. So we're going to actually open that right now. So we've not, we don't know what the contents are. I I've, I can assume that it is something cool from maybe like maybe some type of modeling kit or something to that effect. Yes. I guess to like preface it is kind of your I took your your love of D and D and meshed it with your podcast. Oh, oh snap. sure. Okay. With a little right. bit of no, sci fi. No spoilers. No spy all right, no spoilers. Okay. All right. All right. So we are ready. We're, we're going to try to like it. We're also going to try to make this cool so as we get like yeah. a little instant. I'll, I'll take a video of this and you can probably find that on our Instagram or something. It is a little. Oh my God. That's perfect. Cottage thing. That is oh my perfect. Gosh. What? That looks... It's a podcast studio. Oh, <laughs> it's got like solar panels on it. <laughs> yes, baby. It'll be better once you put the accessories on it. All right, let's see what the accessories look like. Let's put that down. And that's part of the instructions. They should kind of just pull yep, out yep, yep. or slide out. Go. Oh, my gosh. This is so delicate. I'm glad you told John not to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. No way. What is it? Oh, my God. No <laughs> way, bro. No way. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. So, so we've got our cool. Um, so right now, what's happened is we've opened the box. We've got a really cool, like it's very Tolkien as Shire, perfect like cabin, sort of cottage core little thing mixed with a little bit of technology with some yes. solar panels, which is mm -hmm. what Ben is our, Ben is all about. Sci-fi or die, sweet kit bashing stuff where he takes a lot of different model kits and puts them together to put like a really cool spin on things. But he's also gave us the kind of cool little chain hanging down. Um, like a sign. a sign, like a wooden sign, sign. hanging from chains on a post that you'd see outside of a old tavern or something. Exactly, with the with our Geeky TC logo on it, which is killer. Okay, and now we have, oh, perfect smoke coming out of the chimney. Yeah, so that you can kind of met. Those are just cotton balls, so you can kind yeah. of mess with them to get them how you want them. Oh my gosh, this is amazing! 
Yes, this is awesome. Oh, is that, is that our antenna right there? We've got a little satellite thing and then another antenna here. Mm -hmm. And those will really go in there. I mean, over you can glue them eventually, but you can probably still put them in there. Just do a dry fit. Perfect. So we got our satellites. We've got our antenna uplink. And that goes right in the front there. That is perfect. Yeah. Now the podcast studio, guys. Now hold on. On the back, that circular piece? No. Uh -huh. That's actually the back no. end of a T-light. So that little switch on the top, turn it to the left, oh, I believe. My God. What? And there you go. That is killer. <laughs> we will get we'll get a really good video of that. So right now he's he's hooked it up and we've actually got some awesome lights going on inside. We've got the whole Holy thing. Holy crap. That is dude. so cool, dude. And it's in uh it's kinda it should be somewhat in twenty eight millimeter size, which I know is what you play. Yeah, for the yeah tabletop, it seems, right? that it seems is, right. Yeah. yeah, it seems right. That, that's mm -hmm. TTRPG all the way. The scales like seems perfect. Oh my god. Thank we you love so it. much. That is amazing. Man, that is awesome. You guys should go follow Sci-Fi or Die. Uh, you guys can find it in our following list on Instagram. Great page. I love Ben's work. And yeah, it's it's Ben has always been into it. He he meshes like a lot of really cool like Star Wars stuff and World War II things together and you know all kinds of things. And it always winds up with this like really kind of interesting look to it. Yeah. And um, I love it. Well, yeah, go check him out there and give him some love. Some I've, wanted, I've wanted to make a, a, a diorama for you before, Ben, but it would just be so childlike. Oh Again, back to, you know, <laughs> the equivalent of a Minecraft starter house. Yeah, it would be so bad. <laughs> it's, it's just a cube. Yeah, I don't think it would go well. Um, man. Yeah, now I feel... The sign gets me. That's The sign is, oh, the sign is so great. Yeah, we're, we're and, and the lights, lighting, and everything uh, is is awesome. Uh, whenever we get our merch going, we that I can I can have somebody else make you things and send it to you. That's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> there you go. Um, so we're happy to have you on this week, Ben, because this week is our inaugural 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 guest. Inaugural guest. You're our first guest ever, and rightfully so, because you've been an adventurer with us before. Yeah, because like it. Because you've been up there with Josh and I, seeing the Brown Mountain Lights uh, once or twice, right? And then me and you have gone. So we uh, we've also have a passion for something else. And do you want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've done or the group that you were part of at all? Uh, yeah. So I was part of it. I would say. Um, Due to work, I never actually got to partake. Um, okay. Oh, let me find the name of it again. Yeah, so it was the North American Ape Conservancy. Conservancy. So North American Conservancy. Ape Conservancy? Yes. Yes. And they have a pretty good website. Um, they're based out of Oklahoma. Uh, and basically what happened is I think kind of their founder, other head guy, um, was looking at kind of Bigfoot habitats. And he found that I guess a lot of it correlates with um, a large amount of precipitation. Uh, so he actually found this area in Oklahoma on the Arkansas border. Uh, there's actually a mountain range over there where it kind of had that. So they started asking around. Long story short, they found a guy that has some property there who apparently has had a lot of encounters. Um, and he's allowed them to basically kind of create almost this little... Uh, this little camp there where they go and they try to study what they believe is this kind of Bigfoot family that lives in the area. Okay. Oh, wow. Excellent. 
Yeah. We've talked about that it's, before in our uh, our Bigfoot episode. We did particularly too that um, a lot of reports and stuff mentioned Bigfoot being in like groups or families type of things. That that seems to be a common occurrence. Yeah, and you know, obviously, I brought up the Mormons. I think they're the only ones that don't believe that. Right? <laughs> they think it's like Cain or whatever. But you know, for sure, I, I, I've that's where I've always held on to is that you know, Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Skunk Ape you know, Almas, whatever, that there's some type of like either ape-like or, you know, kind of alter humanoid. Um, so yeah, cause that brings us right into what we're, we're geeking out about and what this episode's going to be about. Right. This episode, we are going to have a cryptid death match. Cryptid death match. So we are, we have a list of, uh, some of the top most popular cryptids, you know, that people from around the world, people know about, um, or at least, I guess, specifically kind of here in the U.S. too, you know, the biggest ones here that you could think of. And we're going to put them in a theoretical, hypothetical uh, bracket, and they're going to compete for the top spot. All of this is, you know, completely opinionated just based on what we think about them and their capabilities and abilities and skill sets and... You know, we'll see how they, they match up. But to be fair, we're all really smart people here. And so it's probably exactly how it would go regardless. <laughs> so I think that I think the consensus will be like no matter what. So we'll we'll, we'll each kind of discuss it and hash it out. And then do we uh, give it a vote? I do think we, we I think we'll have to vote. We'll do like it. a two out of three, a two out of three. Thing. Mm-hmm. I think that, that'll work. Yes. All right. So uh, are do you want to go with our first matchup? Yeah. Who, who is our, who is our f- first competitors? And so you just kind of thrown together a quick bracket. Yeah, I've thrown together stuff. a quick bracket. There was no seating because I'm not sure how these guys have competed in the past, honestly. <laughs> so uh, our first matchup is going to be, and we just got done talking about them, Bigfoot versus the Jersey Devil. Oh, okay. So. I will say I'm definitely more familiar with Bigfoot than the Jersey Devil. I mean, I've heard about it. Um, I, I guess I just don't know as much about that, you know, as far as, you know, it's either it's physicality or, you know, what they look like and what they're, you know, capable of compared to Bigfoot. Do y'all know anything more about the Jersey Devil? Uh, I've just what I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen obviously, you know, when you get into like the cryptid shows, you see some where they're where they're there. And I think it's very similar to the Mothman, who's also in, in our bracket where you, there's always like a lot of pictures of him in the air, like kind of terrible, grainy aerial pictures. Um, yeah, it looks like a cat with, it looks like a goat. It looks like a Muppet. (laughs) That looks like a goat with wings. Yeah. Oh, it does. I kind of looks like there's horns. Yeah. I I I guess that's why it's a devil. I just pulled up a picture here that I'm looking at. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, what do you know about it, Ben? I think the origin story has to do something with a mother having kids, uh, something to do with like something like she was a witch and she made a deal with the devil um, and I think that's where kind of the devil part of it came from. And then one of her kids was born basically like this, you know, this strange devil creature with wings and a horse head. Oh, wow. And I think that was kind of back during the, the pilgrim time, I think. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And so it says the creature is often described as a flying biped with hooves, but there are many uh, descriptions. The common description is a bipedal kangaroo or wyvern like creature with a horse or goat like head. Leathery bat wings, horns, small arms with clawed hands, legs with cloven hooves, and a forked or pointed tail. All right. Interesting. That sounds horrifying. That does sound horrifying (laughs) in the dark. 
and it it, it can emit a high pitched blood curdling scream. Okay. Well, since it's hooded, is it scream like those goats you see on the YouTube videos? Oh and stuff? yeah, the really loud pitch. Cue that into <laughs> yeah. the into, <laughs> headphone users. Be careful with that. Um, so interesting. And then obviously Bigfoot, right? So Ben, do you want to talk a little bit about Bigfoot lore? Ah, oh, who doesn't love Bigfoot? Right. Uh, you know, he's just he's America's cryptid. That's what I feel <laughs> like. Yeah, American is apple pie. Honestly. Yeah. But it's also interesting because he there's so many. Bigfoot stories out there. There's so many Bigfoot legends like that across the North America, even into, you know, like, like Russia and the Alma, obviously the Yeti is on our list saying, too. Yeah, which, there's lots of different but, versions of this same type of bipedal, large, hairy ape-like mm -hmm. thing wandering the countryside. So first thing I think we have to look at is the Jersey devil, right? Cryptid. It's not necessarily a creature. It is. It, it sounds almost like it's more, uh, magical in nature. It's it's an abomination of sorts. Yeah. So the the question is, do we think that this clawed little goat person with leathery wings can take on, like you said? I guess to set up a preface, like as far as in the theoretical, you know, how are, is it kind of just like a a cage match type of thing, oh, like yeah. a large kind of coliseum size cage room where these two things are locked in there, no way to escape. It's Pokemon Arena for sure. Ah. Yeah, that's the best way to think of it, I think. All right. Does the Jersey Devil have enough area to fly I would, in this I, arena? Yeah, I, would, I would say, yeah. It would have they, to. They have, there's enough room for them to fully exercise any abilities that they may have. Mm. Nice. Okay. Which, on that point, I feel like that, that gives a pretty big advantage to, that, to the Jersey Devil being able to fly. But as far as we can tell right now, though, right, the only thing that we're aware of is that the Jersey Devil admits a loud, high-pitched scream. Which could be very disorienting, I'm sure. You know, I imagine it's kind of swooping by, yelling, uh, letting out that uh, scream to kind of disorient its opponent. Oh, gotcha. So, and I guess its main weapon of attack is going to be its teeth, its claws. So it's got an inner melee range, is what I'm saying, at some point. Mm -hmm. Now, Ben, how, how big do you think the Jersey Devil is? So, Sasquatch, we like to think, what, seven foot? plus seven five something like that how how big do yeah. we think the jersey devil is i feel just from the shows i've watched it's maybe i would say maybe four or five feet standing okay so okay. on the smaller I side i think it's too big yeah yeah it, it, it definitely doesn't seem yeah like it's a very very large creature by any means um yeah and i've heard like yeah different reports on bigfoot being like Eight, nine foot tall sometimes. Yeah, anywhere from like six to nine foot tall. So, okay, so opening up, right, our Jersey Devil would probably take off into the air, seeing the large bipedal beast, seeing right. Bigfoot, right? Bigfoot standing there, not happy. Uh, Bigfoot's X factor is obviously there's a little bit of a smell thing going on that's probably not fun to be around or up close to. And True. then the X factor we've got going on from the Jersey Devil is that loud high-pitched scream. How does that affect Bigfoot? Right. Is it enough to disorient him to where he can get close? And how many times can he get close? What do you think? Hmm. I guess you'd have to take to like what kind of hearing senses does Bigfoot have? Oh, that's a good you point. Because yeah. if he's a wild animal out there and he has to rely on his senses, he could have more sensitive hearing, which means the screeching would have more of an impact on him that's a good point and I, I kind of would see bigfoot as you know being the somewhat stealthy you know hunter 
sort of aspect that they have to them being, you know, invisible and stalking humans through the woods, you know, I, I would imagine that they would have pretty good senses when it comes to sight and hearing to be able to, you know, identify and track, you know, the wayward wanderer as they go through the countryside. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, mm-hmm. I definitely think Bigfoot has exceptional hearing for sure. I think the Jersey Devil's initial screams are definitely going to disorient it. Now, here's the thing. As the screams come in, we, I imagine Bigfoot is, is trying to make his, you know, trying to protect his hearing, maybe his big clawed hands on his ears or something to that effect. Maybe he runs away. No matter what, though, we have to consider that Jersey Devil has to get close enough, right? So this is a death fight to the death. Yes, it has no ranged capabilities as far as I can tell. So we know that Bigfoot is famous for what, Ben? Throwing? Throwing rocks. Oh. Yeah. I I didn't even think about that yet. There is a lot of reports of them throwing rocks at people. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't see why, you know, there couldn't be some terrain in, in our scenario here, you know, to either hide behind or use at your advantage. So if there is a boulder nearby or something, you could probably pick it up and chuck it at it. That's right. So if I, I'd say first, I say, so initial round opens up. Jersey Devil, loud and pitch screamed. Bigfoot, horrible stench. Scream, cover ears, grabs rock. Mm. Throws rock. <laughs> Jersey Devil stops screaming. Bigfoot closes ground. Jersey Devil is starting to scream again, but it's also beginning to close ground on Bigfoot. Right. Now, with, like you said, Ben, it being only a few feet tall, you know, less than five feet tall, maybe, it is now approaching, you know, pound for pound, probably one of the strongest things on the planet. Right. Right. We have no idea, for example, if we compare it to a gorilla, from what I understand, we cannot physically measure a gorilla's strength. We've not been able to do that yet. Mm-hmm. What happens when they close in on each other? I see the Jersey Devil as using its screech to disorient Bigfoot, and then it's going to swoop down using its claws to go after Bigfoot's sensitive areas, like his eyes, neck, face. And I think he'll get a good couple, good couple swoops on him, but I think Bigfoot is much more intelligent, mm. and he's going to figure it out. And he's going to develop a game plan, and he's going to get him on that next swoop. So, like three to four swoops come in. That, that's what I was thinking. Is yeah, yeah, like he's going to the yeah. devil will come through. Yeah, get a couple claws, a couple little swoops, maybe ramming with the horns one time, as like mm. a dive bomb sort of thing. Get a couple glancing blows, but as soon as Bigfoot's quick enough to grab it, I I kind of feel like it's over at that point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think Bigfoot is, is going full Avengers Hulk mode. Yeah, and like he, he, I think he pulls out that gorilla strength. And he is just going to smash it from one side to the <laughs> oh, other. Oh, like with Hulk and Lo- Loki? Like, exactly. <laughs> he is going to smash the Jersey Devil from one side or the other, right? Now, how hard is it, if, if, if the Jersey Devil is born of witchcraft and, and, and blood magic, how hard is it to kill, though? That's a mm. good, I didn't even think about that being, mm. that it might have a somewhat magical effect to it. Well, Okay, then, if, if it does, you know, there is many, I've heard, like we talked about on our Bigfoot episode, there's the hypotheses that Bigfoot is an interdimensional being. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, so... Ben, where do you stand on that? I think Bigfoot is a, I think Bigfoot is a physical creature. Okay. Okay. Of this earth. 
like something that's been here for a long period of time and has yeah. managed to survive kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll limit, I guess, our, our, we'll put a limit on it how otherworldly, I guess, some of these, we'll, we'll kind of classify all these as if they're just, you know, physical creatures, unknown creatures in, in the, the wild. I think even then, I think even with it being, if it was a magical, like, aberration of, right. of blood magic and whatever. So, I, I th- at the worst, Bigfoot might have a curse on him for the rest of his life? No, I <laughs> I think Bigfoot would just be, even at five foot tall, I think Bigfoot would be able to just tear it limb from limb. That, that's how what I see happening. As soon as he grabs one of its legs or its wings, he's just pulling it apart. He's just ripping it piece by piece, and it, it's done. Yeah, what do you think, Ben, mm-hmm. when he grabs a hold of it? Oh, I agree. Bigfoot's a grappler, so you know he's dead. right. Yes, big. So Bigfoot, John knows. That's right, baby. Anytime <laughs> I can bring up the grappling, it comes up. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna say Bigfoot grabs the Jersey Devil, begins to pry him apart, pluck him apart like mm-hmm. a you know uh, rotisserie chicken from Costco, <laughs> and uh, I don't care if that thing can't necessarily live or not. I just see. Literally, the Bigfoot stomping down on the Jersey Devil's head and crushing its skull into oblivion. I agree with that. So I'm saying yeah. I'm voting round one, Bigfoot versus Jersey Devil, Bigfoot. I'm voting Bigfoot. Ben? Yeah, I finished it off Bigfoot. Easy. I, I think, I feel like that was kind of a given, but fun discussion. But yeah, I think we all unanimously agree Bigfoot is going to but I do think that Bigfoot comes out of it with a few injuries. Oh, he's going to have some, some lacerations, yeah. some scars, and may, you know, uh-huh. definitely if he lost an eye or something like that, that's not. He's going to have to stop by the medical ward, you know, to at least get patched up. Yeah, after, after the fight, he can come by the uh, the Geeky DC cabin that we have and get a health potion. Hey, there you go. All right, so yeah, so Bigfoot, we've got Bigfoot going. Bigfoot moves on. Bigfoot moves on. All right. Let me add that on to our thing here. So. Let's go to the let's go to the other side of the bracket. Okay. All right. And this is one I'm kind of excited about. We have Chupacabra versus Loch Ness Monster. Oh wow. Mm. So spoiler alert, I've always been a huge Nessie fan. My mom loved Loch Ness Monster. And she was she was one of those people that always thought the Loch Ness Monster was real, and she always believed it was like a Leopleurodon or some type of like actual dinosaur that had been left over, like some type of surviving dinosaur family that managed to live in like the northern, like the Arctic regions. Yeah. I mean, my wife has a tattoo of him on her arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she actually has her her whole uh, arm is a sleeve of various cryptids. Can we scratch them off as we go? Which ones die? <laughs> Just put big barks on them. Like, very cool. You fail. <laughs> ben, do you have a tattoo like that? I don't, and I'm a little jealous now that I've heard that. I feel mm. like you should have a, like, I think you need to have like the classic uh, Bigfoot walking away tattoo. I don't know oh, why you man. don't. The Patterson Gimlin I'm film. I'm done with tattoos. You're done with tattoos? Yeah. Aw. That was my youth. That was your youth time? Uh, yep. So... Loch Ness Monster, right? Everybody's, I think most people are familiar with it, right? So large aquatic beast living in the, like Loch Ness, which is in Scotland, right? Um, Let's pull up some size stuff here. What do we have on that? And then on the other side, we have the Chupacabra, which is kind of the, you know, creepy goat masochist, you know, (laughs) the blood sucker from the... Central and South America. Um, I don't see any immediate size descriptions. 
So, I mean, I think, it, I think what most people think of as Nessie, and you guys can all disagree or agree with this, we would say it's like a size of a small whale, maybe? Yeah, like, a, like an orca or some kind of... I think orca size, or, or maybe like slightly smaller, but yeah. That's some, me saying that not exactly knowing how big an orca is, because I've never seen one in person kind of thing, but I'm just assuming that's yeah. that an orca seems like a smaller whale. It's on this... I mean, it's definitely not... It's not like a... It's, yeah, it, it's definitely it's bigger like a than a dolphin. It's bigger than a dolphin, yeah, but, but smaller than a whale, <laughs> somewhere in that range. Yeah, but in, in the, okay, so in this too is Nessie on dry land. I, that's what I'm saying. If we think about, or do po- we do I'm, we have a little like does the 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 stadium shift and like it opens up and a new field comes out that has like a small pond or something? I think there's multiple water areas. I think there's one larger water area and then there's small islands all around it that the chupacabra would be able to use to utilize. And then I think it would even be able to, there's a smaller area that it could funnel into if it needed to surrounded by much more land. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think there have been reports of a old Nessie coming up on land as well. Oh, have there been? I think so. I think I was watching one of the one of the many shows I watched on it, and I think there's a witness that supposedly stated they saw it on land. I mean, granted, it was right on the shoreline, yeah. right? But still, is that like flippers, or is are we talking um, like brontosaurus legs? I mean, I w- yeah, I don't know. I would think flippers. I would think flippers with it too. being primarily mm-hmm. a water bound creature. Yeah. You know, I mean, but we've seen things with flippers. Kind of like waddle, seals, yeah, yeah. seal and waddle seals. on, the, on point. land as well. I, you know, I don't know. I used to be a very firm believer. Um, but now I just don't know. I'm a Loch Ness agnostic. Ah, ah yeah. I feel like of a, a lot of these cryptids and stuff too, I feel like it may be one of the ones that has the least amount of like, you know, potential photographs or things or like, I guess, mm-hmm. evidence about it. So it, it, it definitely kind of still lies in that very gray area for me that I'm not really, I can't really fall on either side of the coin as whether it does or doesn't exist. Yeah. I, uh, my mom was into it. So I was yeah. always into it. I like to think, especially maybe like the earlier tales of it, you know, from what I understand, the Loch Ness does have access to the ocean. Correct, Ben? Uh, I think they believe there may be like uh, like deep cave tunnels that lead out to the ocean. Yeah, I've heard that too. And yeah. so I, I like to think that it's possible if any of the creatures, you know, if any dinosaurs had survived the mass extinction events that happened uh, in like the, the in many different periods and was able to make it, it makes the most sense that they would be able to survive in the area of the world that is, you know. Uh, I feel it's like it's already covered in water. Right. As I was saying, like, yeah, if any dinosaurs did survive or some descendant of them, it seems like it would be some water born thing. And you add in the fact that we've only explored like a fraction of the oceans and they're, you know, so deep and so vast that that's still very much an a, a unknown part of our world that who knows what's living down in the depths of some of these oceans. But I don't think a Loch Ness monster would have made it to today. I think those early 1800s descriptions or like maybe even like the, you know, the pictures from like the early 1900s, maybe. But I think with the huge amount of fish that have gone, you know, the, the, the big fishing crisis that we've had where, you know, fishing pop, fish populations have changed, slight, you know, change in, in, in global temperatures and things like that. I think that probably would have affected it as well. So you're thinking early 19th, 20th century Loch Ness may have died out if there was 
some left. Maybe, maybe that's just like what that that's like my personal belief. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing, nothing concrete. That's just my my personal opinion. But I think we we all think that what Nessie would have a like a like a maybe a fish eating mouth, maybe pretty sharp teeth, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I picture very sharp teeth. Right. Pretty much like an orca. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, similar to that. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, you kind of have the de- depictions of the of the long, you know, elongated neck, similar to like a, a plesiosaurus or a leopardon yes. or something like that. Where it, you know, so even from the water, it potentially could still maybe, depending on its size, you know, reach out of the water and and grab something from the land. Yeah. So on that that flip side of that coin, a chupacabra. Let's start, let's talk about the chupacabra. Yeah, the chupacabra. Mm. You know, people kind of. It's often depicted, it's like the size of a dog. Sometimes maybe a little bigger. Like a coyote, like right? A, yeah, like a coyote or something like that. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I think the chupacabra is just a dog with mange. The, no, I've, I've heard that a lot. I guess yeah. one of the things that goes hand in hand with, though, if we're talking just straight up cryptid um, versus skepticism things, is the chupacabra is known for what? Like, uh, like for sucking blood? Sucking, sucking blood, blood out of goats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that they've like you know that's the kind of part of the mythology they've found goats that have had like these like puncture fang marks like in their necks and things and then had all their blood drained which I will say a dog with mange wouldn't do that probably right that is pretty interesting but and it's also interesting like geography where they found it like it you think it's mostly like southwest Central America um, but I think there's even stories in Puerto Rico of like that's it right. happening that's right yeah, yeah. Wow. And even outside the Americas, it looks like uh, Russia and Philippines have also had, like, there's anecdotal sightings there as well. Oh, man. But it, it does say that most of the, believe they're mostly canids, so, like, canines with the, afflicted by mange that have been, like, mistaken for this. So, you know. Yeah, I'd say that like, they're, they're, like, again, there may have been a kind of singular creature or event or something that kind of maybe was closer to what people know it as that, that happened in the past, but then... You know, that legend, that lore spreads around, and now any dog with mange, like you said, that's immediately what people are going to think of. Oh, it's the chupacabra again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even like, you know, uh, bears with mange or something like that. I mean, a bear with mange is insane. Mm. I, I, I was watching, uh, or guess familiar, Forrest Galante? Mm, don't think so. He's, mm. he's a... He's, he's a Zimbabwe in fella and he oh yes and he does a lot of cool things and he went to a place I think it was in uh, Peru and he found like they thought it was this devil that was coming and killing their animals and turns out it might have been just a spectacled bear that they were seeing which is like a pretty rare bear to see in South America and you know it was just one of those he found it he tagged it it was it was a pretty interesting episode but he like took it off and I imagine if you saw one of those things with a skin disease standing up with its eyes covered in white yeah. and you know patches of hair missing everywhere you know I mean I saw an image just on like Reddit the other day of a bear that was I think awoken from hibernation too soon or something for due to some like uh, what's the word like ecological effect or some kind of weather event that happened or something that it woke up and it, it was kind of coming out of its its cave, and it it looked like it looked scary, like you know its hair was all kinds of frazzled and like crazy looking and stuff, and it it looked like some kind of you know monster zombie version of a bear. Mm. And at 
you know, quick glance, you might not, you might could mistaken it for something else. Yeah. So if there was either, you know, maybe some small species of bear, a smaller bear that did, that was, you know, greatly infected with something like mange or something. Yeah. You know, you could, that look like some kind of crazy monster. Well, so in this though, we are going to give, we're going to make sure the chupacabra has its blood sucking powers, right? It has the ability right. to definitely, if it is a smaller animal, it definitely seems like it's taken down what goats, cattle. It's taken down things as big as cows, right? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so we know that it's a blood sucker. It's able to take down prey larger than itself. It's going to be taken on Nessie in, in our cryptid stadium. So how do Ben, what do you think is going to happen with this? So obviously the Chupacabra has, we're assuming the Chupacabra has room to move here. It's got land it can move to, but there is definitely a part of the water that Nessie be able to strike from the Chupacabra couldn't get to. Right. I mean, this is a, this is a death match. So the Loch Ness, he can't just hang out in the water. No, he's got to come for him. Um, I see him, I see him going after Chupacabra Chupacabra is going to be right there on the shoreline. Nessie's going to come after him. But I think Chupacabra's small and nimble. He's going to get around and he's just going to go for that long neck. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, yeah. I don't see Loch Ness outside of the water, particularly being a very agile creature. Whereas Chupacabra definitely seems like it could be deft and kind of very agile and quick and could do exactly like you're saying and just run around it, run up its back up to that long neck. And you've got a whole neck's worth of, you know, Stuff to bite on there. Absolutely. Then imagine it starts draining its life force. Now, if the only offensive weapon is either is Nessie's mouth, what you know, long tail, which you know, if you could get inside that range. The only other thing maybe is a tail, right? So yeah. maybe Nessie. Do, do we think Nessie has a tail or not? And if so, is it more like a rudder, kind of like plesiosaur tail, or are we talking like a longer tail that he could whip around? She could whip around. Hmm. I picture more like a rudder. Yeah. So it's a short, stubby tail. So right. most so, of the swimming power comes from larger flippers, sort of things, more like boat oars. Yeah. Kind of like a thing. seal. There's no tail on a seal, right? They're just yeah. they're out there with their. So, yeah, I think Chupacabra can definitely get into a place that the that and and scratch an itch that Nessie can't get to. Um. Now, the question is, if Nessie then takes it out into the water, right? So if Nessie then goes deep enough, what happens then? So if, if once Chupacabra's hopped on the neck, if Nessie just retreats into the water and takes it with it, mm-hmm. mm, I feel like at that point, I f- the, the advantage greatly shifts if Nessie's able to drag the Chupacabra into the water. Yes. I, so if... That is the big question is can Nessie get Chupacabra into the, like if it feels that, will it, does it have the instinctual kind of like alligator or shark mentality of like drowning its prey? Yeah. Does the Loch Ness monster know the, the death roll? (laughs) And I I don't think so. Right. (laughs) What do you think, Ben? I mean, it's the Loch Ness monster seems like like it's too fat and too big. It just seems like, well, it seems like it's like it eats small fish. Yeah. Right. Mm hmm. But I, I think survivor instinct, which I think, you know, just all animals and humans have, I think it's going to go for the water just out of instinct. Right. How do you think that plays out if the chupacabra is attached? Well, but also, yeah, do we, can a chupacabra swim? Uh, I think chupacabra can sure. swim, but I don't think it is amphibious. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. I would agree. 
I'd say yeah, there'd definitely be a advantage uh in the water for the the Nessie, but again, it's I don't feel like it's very fast. I mean, it could probably swim pretty quick, but I don't know. That's that's a tough if it, if it moves to the water. If it's out on the land, then I, yeah, I feel like Nessie's too hindered to really do much. I agree. I think I think part of what would happen is right. I think everything we're describing is 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 actually perfectly what would happen because we're all intelligent philosophers here, like we mentioned before. Yes, <laughs> and I think yes, I think Nessie strikes out a chupacabra. Chupacabra goes jumps on, like dodges a couple of attacks and then shallow water jumps on Nessie's back, begins to, it's, it's blood sucking process and it begins to suck the life out of it. Nessie instinctively tries to reach back and bite it, but it does not have the reach. The tail yeah. flaps and it begins to waddle back down into the water and begins to go deeper and deeper. And, and for this sake, we'll say it's a 30 foot pond, okay. right? That we've, that we've mm-hmm. managed to put down here in the stadium. Uh, at that point, the Nessie, based on Chupacabra's blood-sucking ability, is uh, beginning to weaken, mm. right? I imagine um, Chupacabra, probably within the first 30 seconds of being underwater, once it's under there, deciding to bail. It's probably going to let go. And at that point, I think Nessie will be able to get a few superficial bites. Right, before but, it's able to swim away. Yes, I think it's not, I think Nessie is not, even though it owns the water, I don't think it has the killer instinct. Right, because a chupacabra, that's what it does, it kills stuff. Like, that's its function, it seems like. And Nessie's killing fish. Eating to kill, it kills to survive to get its dinner. Yes, and so I think, I think, I think we're talking, chupacabra takes a couple bites, and I think I think Chupacabra is able to get back to shore. Well, and as been mentioned earlier too, you know that this being a death match, you know, there's only one outcome. Somebody's got to go. Exactly. So I feel like we would just get in this vicious cycle of at some point, yeah, Nessie's going to have to come back out to try and give another shot, and the same thing's going to happen. What do you think, Ben? I don't think he gets back to shore. Okay. I agree with everything into the water, um, and then I think again, this is a death match, and I think Nessie knows that. So Nessie's just going to. He's either going to, I think he's just going to bite him and take him down and drown him. Ooh. So just okay. gonna latch onto him and just take mm-hmm. him down to the bottom and hold him. I think, yep. I think that is a good point. I think it does make sense. And do we think that Loch Ness monster is a mammal or do we think it is like a reptile? What do we think? I guess what I'm trying to say is can the Loch Ness monster breathe? hold its breath indefinitely underwater or can it breathe? I, I I wouldn't think I don't I don't think it has gills. I think it's got lungs, mm-hmm. like like a whale. I mean, it can, I I feel like it could hold its breath for a long time, for mm-hmm. sure. Like you know, whales or other dolphins or things like that. But at some point, it would have to come get air. Okay, so what you, do we think? What do we think, Josh? Why don't you go ahead and give us your Why don't you give My us vote? your prediction? Oh, that's tough. Um, that theory about if 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 Nessie's able. To get like, I feel like it's kind of could go on who gets that first bite. Or like I said, if if it takes it to the water, Chupacabra's gonna have to let go because it doesn't have nearly as big of lungs. And as soon as it's separated, Nessie, you know, you're in its domain. You know, it's mm-hmm. got that long neck. It's gonna grab onto him and, like you said, just swim to the bottom. So I think my vote's gonna have to go for Nessie. All right, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, this is a pretty easy one. I think this is old Nessie. Nessie, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I'll, I will go with that too. I think, um, I think if 
Loch Ness Monster stays on land, Chupacabra. Mm. I think uh, Nessie being with, you know, in a fair advantage, like in the, they, they would have to meet in water because Loch Ness Monster is not going to, you know, evolution fish and just like walk into Mexico. But um, yeah, I think Nessie will also take this. But I think at great cost to its life force and life energy as its blood has been probably drained. All righty. All right, so this round, Loch Ness Monster wins. Goes to Nessie. Ding, 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 ding. Heck yeah. Uh, all right, so let's go back to the other side of the bracket, guys. So. Ooh, I'm excited. You excited about this one? Yes. All right, so the other side, we have the Yeti, Ooh. or as some people might call the Abominable Snowman, um, and versus the, th- the Thunderbird. Oh. So. A similar case where we have a, like, you know, in the first round, Bigfoot versus a flying thing. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. Yeti versus mm-hmm. a flying thing as well. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, let's talk about... Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Yeti? Uh, the Yeti... I think uh, I think he first kind of made his name when... I think it was an English guy was out there climbing and found footsteps. Similar to Bigfoot with them first finding his prints where he gets his name. Uh, and then I think it kind of went from there, but I don't think there's really been any, uh, specific evidence, kind of concrete evidence of anything. Yeah. A lot of sightings of like up in the, was it the Himalayas? It's in the Himalayas. Yeah. Yeah. In the Him- yeah. Himalayas of a lot of hikers mm-hmm. up there walking around and stuff. And yes, yeah, seeing these, uh, depictions of the, yeah, these, these large ape-like creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching a, a documentary recently, and it was about a, a Nepalese guy, and he was a he was born in Nepal, grew up in Nepal, and had done a little mountaineering, and then he wound up going to the British Army and joined the Gurkhas, and then he was the first Gurkha to ever join British Special Forces. He became part of the Special Boat Service, which oh, is I like know you're talking about. You know, what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then he decided, and he, he climbed, I forget how many peaks there are. Um, he climbed all the highest mountains, all the, like, what was it, over 8,000 meters or something like that? Is that what they're called? Oh, yeah. I think I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. He, climbed all, he climbed all of those within, yeah, like, like... Everest and K2 and all those... Kilimanjaro, like, things. all within, like, six months, right? Or something, like, yeah. crazy like that. He climbed all of them, even with his, like, mom dying and, and all kinds of things going on. He climbed several of them, like, back-to-back within a few days. Yeah. Um, but there was one where he was talking about in the documentary. Did you watch it, Ben? I did. I don't remember the Yeti in it, but well, so this is this. He he didn't say. So he was like suffering from exhaustion. And oh yes, okay. He was suffering from exhaustion, and he it was like a metaphysical, like a Yeti came to him. And almost like a very, you know, I mean, I'm not sure, like, I'm not very familiar with like Nepalese. Like, I know they're they're primarily Buddhist and, you know, but I'm not sure about like their cult, like culturally, like if they have some kind of like, I think they do because they respect the mountains so much. I think there is kind of like the shamanism with it or this kind of like Native American, like the closest thing I can relate it to is like the Native American respect for nature. And it seemed like he saw this as like a spirit animal type thing that came to him. And that was interesting to me that he, that's, that was like his description of it. But I think there have been like things where they say they've seen the Yeti like in on mountaintops or whatever. Uh, I know they've found a lot of like prints. Yeah. 
Yeah, similarly to Bigfoot, yeah, there's been a lot of like yeah. uh, prints discovered. I, I, I guess I'm sure some people probably tried taking those castings as well, the same sort of thing, taking like those uh, whatever they're called, the plaster cast. Oh or yeah, they've, they've of, had to. Yeah, I would think so. Mm-hmm. So Loch Ness monster, or sorry, what am I talking about? The Yeti, big old. It is described as being a large ape-like creature as well, right? We're talking similar size to Bigfoot, similar things, except for what, typically white in color? Yes. I think so. Yeah, and then versus the Thunderbird. So let's, let's talk about the Thunderbird, because it's one of the ones I'm least familiar with. Ben, what do you know about the Thunderbird? Mm, I don't know. I'm actually, I'm a Thunderbird fanboy. Okay. Oh. It's, I love it. I don't know a whole lot about it. I think it's just I love the idea of this huge prehistoric bird just flying through the air and just grabbing things right but i know i know it's i know there's a lot of um native american lore with it um and actually pulled it up when we were living in uh the great state of missouri we went (laughs) over to (laughs) we there's a uh there's an old rock um painting on the mississippi river on the illinois side called the and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Piazza. Hmm. But it was actually a painting of the Thunderbird up on these like cliff faces on the river. Um, and it's since been, I think the I think they actually quarried it. Um, but they've gone back and kind of reproduced the image. Um, so there along the Mississippi River, there's actually these huge murals of basically the Thunderbird from like old Native American times. Wow. Um, and I, I don't think there's been a lot of recent sightings. I know there's one where a lady claims it was out in the Midwest somewhere. And that's another neat thing. I think a lot of this, uh, a lot of this lore comes from the Midwest, which I think is kind of neat. But I know she claimed uh, a bird actually came through and like picked up her son from the front yard. Oh, my gosh. I think he's maybe like five years old and then kind of tried to fly away. And then like he didn't make it very far, dropped them. Um, but I think that's really the only recent uh, evidence, right? I've ever heard of it. So Ben, how big how big do you think the Thunderbird is realistically? I mean, I think wingspan. If you're going to be picking up, you know, for ex- sixty pound kids. For example, I know the Andean condor's wingspan is ten feet, right? Yeah, I'm going to say at least like pushing twenty. That's that's what I would think. Is yeah, you're getting up there, yeah, twenty foot plus. Like it's mm-hmm. got to be. You got to give have some major like. Uh, updraft and like lifting capabilities to be able to pick up a kid. Okay. All right. And then how big are we saying the Yeti is? Seven foot seven? Same. Like it, it, I guess pretty similar to Bigfoot. Pretty similar. We'd say somewhere kind of yeah. in, in between that, that, that median range of six and nine feet kind of I de- thing. I definitely think it's bulkier. Um, Which would make sense for, you know, withstanding yeah. colder climates. Yeah. You know, maybe a little more, a little more meat on the bones, a little more fat. And probably a lot more hair as well. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Thicker fur. I think one of the advantages, so this is not, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a carbon copy of Bigfoot um, mm. because if it is a ape-like creature and it lives in Nepal and it's in the Himalayas, I think the fact that it is able to operate and be that size in Nepal, that the Yeti is substantially stronger, probably oh. faster and if we bring the Yeti outside of that, right, if we're talking maybe the stadium is either at that height or lower, I think if you increase the oxygen intake that the Yeti can have, 
I think it is vastly more powerful because so it's got a lot more reserve stamina. Yeah, and it. It, like it, it's living. I mean, obviously, it's living in much harsher conditions environmentally than, say, like a Bigfoot would. Yeah, maybe not as much as a skunk ape because it lives in Florida. So for this one, we're going to say the stadium is. Do we have it at altitude? Ben, what do you think? Are, are we? Ta- oh, I, I don't think a Thunderbird can. You know, can. I know, like helicopters can't really go up there. So sure. could a bird even go up there? I mean, you know? planes can. I, I mean, planes obviously can fly over it. But yeah, it would yeah. be hard for a bird. I mean, the air is so light. So we're going to lower it down to a. What we were going to have it on a mountain peak. We're going to have it. Uh, the stadium is now changed into a rocky outcropping with with. We're going to say, you know, several peaks with a saddle in the middle. And then maybe mm-hmm. like, you know, we're talking hundreds of feet of fall. We're at, we're at Wiseman's view and it just snowed. Hey, Ooh, there we yeah. go. Okay. All right. Okay. So I think obviously the Thunderbird has the m- maneuverability. Oh yeah. On this thing. I feel like, yeah, much more as far as flying goes much more maneuverable than the, uh, the Jersey Devil or something like this is this is a legit yes. bird like it it what it does is flies so yeah and just imagine its talons yes exactly I, I mean like, how big are those things gonna right be, if it's know? got a wingspan of twenty feet its talons are probably like Gosh. you know you think like raptor claws six mm-hmm. five six inches each maybe yeah. at least yeah mm-hmm. right so we we're thinking huge talons or so are we thinking this is more like an eagle this is like a maybe some type of giant type eagle or something similar to that. I feel like that, or like a raptor. I, I picture more like a huge raptor. So very huge, like a very large raptor. We so mm-hmm. obviously raptors themselves, even though typically they weigh much less, are able to do way more harm. Mm. They're able to pick up things. They they are very strong. Yeah. For mm-hmm. how small and light they are. Um, so I imagine with a supersized raptor, you would be talking about immense strength, immense ability to carry things, as well as like absolute just savage um, killing potential. Right. Hmm. Okay. And like, have, have you seen the video where the bird, the some type of hawk, takes out that duck? Yes, absolutely. You know, like right. supersonic speed. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm picturing. Except now you have this bird with a 20 foot wingspan. Yes. You know, Gosh, that's a good cow. point. I, and like you factor yeah. in the other aspects of like birds of prey and stuff where like you can't beat their eyesight. No. You know, as far as yeah. tracking capability, even if, you know, Yeti is, you know, good at hiding in some snow or whatever, like that bird's going to see him. Yes. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's a very good point because I imagine the Yeti is camouflaged pretty naturally. If, you know, if, if there is snow on the field, yeah. I mean, he's going to like for a normal person, he'd be hard to spot. Like kind of like a snow leopard or something like that. Just yeah. very difficult. <laughs> so um, I guess maybe like a giant eagle from like Lord of the Rings is like the closest we could get to it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? I guess yeah. that's our, or maybe our closest visual. And then Yeti, everybody knows what the Yeti looks like. So mm-hmm. as those two are going to take off, I imagine the, the Thunderbird will be circling overhead first waiting for its opportunity. I imagine similar to the Bigfoot, I imagine the Yeti will begin to throw objects. Now, mm. I don't think the Yeti will be able to hit it accurately, especially if the if the Thunderbird changes. How smart is this Yeti? Cuz the first thing that popped in my head is is it smart enough to be able to t- 
take a tree branch and quickly fashion like a spear of some kind? No, I don't think so. There's no tool usage here. Okay. No, I don't think you could. I mean, I, I think if it found a stick, it's throwing it boomerang style, like classic rabbit stick, like right. side side mirror or th- side toss at it. Okay. Or over the head. like. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Ben? I don't know. I think he's kind of just bracing for impact. It, it kind of seems like it that, yeah, like yeah. he's just going to kind of be chilling there, you know, waiting for this thing to come down at him. And I think on the other side, yeah, that uh, Thunderbird's just going to wait for that opening, you know, between some trees or something and just, yeah, dive bomb it. Okay. So the Thunderbird approaches pretty fast. So we, obviously the Peregrine Falcon's the fastest known animal, right, that we know of, right? It has a dive speed of what, uh, 200 miles an hour, 100 something like miles an hour, correct? Jeez. I didn't know that. Am I right, Ben? What is the what's the speed? Of no idea. Our our, our uh, you know resident bird expert, Ben. You're our uh, expert on everything. Well, no, like we said, we're all the smartest people in the world here. This is why we're talking about it, so that everybody else will just know that this is what exactly what would happen. Um, let's see here. Yeah, pull up, the, Jamie. Pull it up. Uh, this this is what's nice about having. So yeah, so this is the peregrine falcon can can dive. 186 miles per hour. 300 kilometers an hour, right? Jeez. So, yeah, almost 200 miles an hour. Golly. Now, I don't think the Thunderbird can go that fast. Safely. I think because it has to pull up so Mm -hmm. much weight. It's got that much more wind resistance, too. It does. If we even have that, what are we talking? 90 miles an hour? That's still pretty dang fast. That's still really fast. If something's coming at you, like I mean, imagine a car coming at you at ninety miles an hour. Like getting out of the getting out of the way from that is going to be, especially if you're like a big, you know, hulking sort of figure. You may not be super quick, but I, I imagine it's fair. I imagine the Yeti is quick because it's leaping from like mountain pass to mountain well, pass. It's, I imagine it's a very deft, like it's very is very dexterous, is what True, I would imagine. But is it ninety miles an hour? Well, I think I think that's one of the things that makes baseball like one of the most difficult sports in the world is like human reaction time. Like a 90 mile an hour fastball is is like realistically unhittable. Like human beings should not be able to hit like a 100 mile an hour fastball. Right. um, Because of our reaction time. And so it's like a miracle every time it happens. But those athletes are just so good at it. It happens more often. Um, I think if something's diving 90 miles an hour at the Yeti. From space, and we're talking, you know, whatever. I do. Do we think that the Thunderbird makes contact before Yeti makes contact? What do you think, Ben? I think so. Okay. Mm. What about you? I just don't think there's any way. Yeah, I don't. I just with as big a bird that is, yeah, with the talons and stuff. Like, I feel like he's coming in and like dive bombing down, and right before he gets to him, you know, he's rearing back, and the claws are, are coming out to just like sink into him. Okay, so now we got to talk about like the Yeti. Yeti's got super thick, super dense hair, giant talons, five to six inches going through, maybe a little bit of that being mitigated by the Yeti's body fat mm-hmm. and Yeti's like thick hide. Um, is this enough to knock the Yeti over? I feel like it's enough to at least knock him down. Okay, Ben, what do you think? Mm-hmm. 100%. So we're going to say... I mean, there's no way you're going to stand up against that. No, but at that point, if... He does that. Is does that give the Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot, the Yeti, the opportunity to grab onto those legs and start going to work? 
that's a good point. So what do you think? Once contact's made, Yeti forced to the ground, probably takes a blow to the head, right? As it's getting forced down mm-hmm. onto this rocky surface. Uh, the, the talons sink even deeper, just crunching into the muscle, sinew, and fat of the Yeti. What happens next? What happens once the Yeti's actually able to reach its big paws out? I don't think he can. I think he's oh. just going to get knocked. He's going to get knocked on his butt. I think the first pass is just going to be the bird just knocking him for a loop. And I think he's going to disorient him. And then he's going to swoop up and he's going to come back down and he's going to snatch him up and he's going to take him to the nest. Oh my gosh. I mean, and, and there's the thing like, if so. one of those talons happens to hit right on the mark and, you know, goes through the head. Yeah. I well, mean, I think the 90 miles an hour, I think the fact that the, that the, uh, I think 90 miles an hour, the, the talons, the speed that it's, what's going. And then also you, we have to, we have to say, how much do we think the Thunderbird weighs, right? For saying the Thunderbird weighs a couple hundred pounds, right? A hundred pounds or more, 200 I, pounds. I, I will say I'm not a hundred percent familiar uh, again, you know, Ben being the bird expert, uh, I'm not uh, super familiar with birds like size to weight ratios of like typical normal birds and stuff. I know they have hollow bones mm-hmm. and things, so they're obviously they can fly, so they're pretty lightweight. Yeah. But I don't, you know, typically know what an average bird. Well, I guess weighs. what I'm saying is, is if you take a pointy object, i.e. a talon, and you add that to 90 miles an hour with the force with some, added some to, weight behind it, with weight behind mm-hmm. it, I do think you're Ooh. right, Ben. I think there is a significant thing there. Yeah. I will say this. I think if, you know, I think if Yeti can land a single blow, I think that would be devastating to the Thunderbird. Because Agreed. it is so strong, so massive. I think grabbing it, hitting it in the back, something to that effect as it comes down, or being able to actually grab it as it tries to fly away. I don't think, I think if the Yeti is grabbing it while it's trying to fly away, it would be able to hold on, on to it. it versus getting swooped up. Does that make sense? I think if it was like bracing yes. itself. I mean, because a Yeti, I, I agree with that. We're talking about a Yeti's probably. 500 pounds or something yeah like it's gonna be oh the yeti's the yeti's probably close to a thousand yeah like yeah yeah, yeah. true yeah like close to a thousand pounds like yeah that would that'd be tough to freaking haul for sure like if he was yeah like resisting and holding on to that thing he could probably keep it from going away um but, but that that first dive bomb but then we have to look at so we know that like even bald eagles much smaller right you know in comparison bald eagles can pick up We've seen them pick up deer, right? Mm-hmm. And carry them. So, yeah. So, I actually, I'm sorry. Speaking of bald eagles, I just looked it up. A bald eagle weighs anywhere from six to 14 pounds, which is pretty light. Yes. So, if you're thinking that guy's wow. picking up a 100 pound deer, plus, I don't know how much deer weigh, but I know they weigh quite a bit. Who, who knows what a, you know, a Thunderbird could pick up? Exactly. And I, I think that is a great point. I think it, I think that, like, they are so super strong. I think, it, and even then, like, I imagine some of it, like their, like their legs and talons and stuff. You know, um, it's one of those things that you know, our fingers don't have muscle in them, right? Our fingers are just like sinew and like tendon, and so it's like all tendon strength. And I imagine they have some type of like super powerful tendon strength. What I think happens, and this is this is me. I'm going to be starting to vote now. I think what happens is is. I think there's going to be a couple swoops 
like you said, Ben, I think the Thunderbird comes down. I think there is severe bloodiness. I think if Yeti was able to land a blow um, well enough, I think it would alter the course of this a little bit. But I think the Yeti does not carry, or the, the Thunderbird does not carry it home. I think the, the Thunderbird drops it off the side of a cliff. Oh, I didn't think of that genius because birds are known to do that yeah oh, that yeah. one specific bird yeah well they do it with like bird they do it with you know turtles they do it with all kinds of things i mean i've seen them i've seen martial eagles i think do that with goats i've seen that have you ever for example that's what i'm picturing is like one of those martial or golden eagles attacking a goat one of those like I, yes. ibex goats or something like that yeah that's standing on the like standing yeah. on the side of the mountain they come in they swoop off grab them and then carry them just off enough and then drop them to their death mm-hmm so I'm going to go Thunderbird, but I think, I think this is one of the ones that can go probably the, this is probably the closest matchup so far because I think a solid blow or bite or anything from the Yeti would be devastating to us, to a lighter to, mm-hmm. to, because it's hollow bone and it's got lighter weight. I think it would do way more damage. I'm going to go Thunderbird hundred percent. Okay. All righty. I'm to the point that I feel bad. For the Yeti. Oh, oh man. I think this is so lopsided. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that poor guy just gets wrecked. Okay. All right. So you're saying he's running away with it. I'm saying it's close. What are you saying, Josh? I'd I'd say I'd 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 be somewhere in, in the middle. I think, yeah, being able to fly in the speed of the bird would definitely give it some advantage. But again, on that slim chance that the Yeti was able to grab onto it and break one of its wings or something. It could just instantly turn and go the other way, but my vote will be for the Thunderbird. All right, so Thunderbird carries it. Thunderbird, Thunderbird wins. moves on. All right, so let's see here. So our next matchup, all right, we're going to the other side. Okay, we have the Mothman versus the Wendigo. Ooh, nice. This, this, I think, is an interesting one because I feel like of all of them, both of those have the most mystical aspects to them. Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah. So let's talk. I was going to say the same thing, yep. So let's talk about Mothman. Can you go, uh, take it away, Ben. <laughs> okay. Uh, is, it, is it Pennsylvania that he's from? Point Pleasant. West Virginia? So close? West Virginia, I mean, same, close enough. Close enough. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he was seen over a bridge, um, pretty large bridge over a river. I think he was seen a couple times, uh, and then that bridge actually collapsed. Um, That's right. It's kind of like a harbinger a few, of doom, right? Right. And there's quite a few deaths. But what I think a lot of people don't hear is there are also sightings of it. I think I want to say it was after the bridge collapsed. Um, there's actually a old, I think a military, some type of like ammo storage area in the area um, where they had kind of these little like bunkers um, that I think have since been abandoned. So people would kind of, you know, kids would go back there um, and they've actually, there was sightings um, in those bunkers either shortly after or short before uh, sometime during that time frame. So there were other sightings in the area Um separate from the bridge but yeah i think he kind of became known as kind of a, just a bad omen of of things to come see and, and i've heard kind of two ways that people thought about that that either it's a yeah a you see them and bad things happen kind of stuff like that it's you know harbinger of doom or something but also on the other hand that 
he is a aspect of, you know, of trying, like, I guess, from a protective aspect to warn people that something bad's going to happen. More Ooh. as a, a uh, an early warning sort of thing, looking out for the people, as opposed to, mm. you know, potentially causing these things. What do you think, Ben? What do you think? Harbinger of doom or, or, or a, somebody trying to warn us? I think, I think early warning sign. I don't think I've ever viewed him as a, as a kind of an evil spirit, even though he kind of comes off. They portray him looking like that, you know? Yeah. I'd agree with Josh. He's more of a early warning sign. Described, I see one thing here described as a slender, muscular man, about seven feet tall with white wings. And then couldn't tell what its face looked like due to the hypnotic effect of its eyes. Ooh, hypnotic effect of its <laughs> eyes. Interesting. That's what I get from all the old ladies because I've got beautiful blue eyes. But it's always older ladies that are like, you got pretty eyes, son. <laughs> okay. So, uh, like, indiscernible face features. Definitely, like, angelic-like wings. Um, right. Interesting. So, but uh, yeah, so it's, and it's been kind of, yeah, a title that it has, it's able to, you know, being able to predict future events and future things that happen, you know, if, if that's a ability that it carries through, I mean, that's this kind of main thing that it does. So if we carry that through to our, our deathmatch here, that could pose an interesting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, do we think it has some type of ability to kind of like read the future? I feel like I, I, I would want to give it that aspect since that seems to kind of be its whole thing. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Okay, well, let's talk about the Wendigo, right? One of the this is this is kind of like the the really hot cryptid lately, right? The because people have been making lots of memes. I've seen lots of like videos. Not hot, like attractive. Not quite, hot, quite like the opposite. Quite the it? opposite. Yeah, we typically see it as like a humanoid, like lanky, very odd looking creature, part deer, part human, part whatever. Yeah, devil. Another kind of abomination. And this one is. Very much the opposite is like has a um a a I don't want to say like predatory aspect to it, but like a a yeah a mean aspect, menacing yeah menacing aspect to it. So I think it's like uh, I know it's native. It's got native history. For it looks like yeah, uh, Great Plains Indians, uh, the Algonquin. That's the word I was looking for. Is it's a more malevolent spirit. So we're saying, oh, this so this is like a perfect battle of benevolence versus malevolence, mm -hmm. huh? Right. So uh, the Wendigo definitely like so. I, I imagine the Wendigo is similar in size uh, to the Mothman. I imagine it's close to seven foot tall, based on what we've seen. Very long, spindly arms, like the very typical kind of hag or witch-like long, you know, extended extremities. And it definitely has a thing where it likes to. Uh, eat human flesh. Right, right. Yeah. This seems, yeah, much more predatory, like stalking humans, you know, taking little kids type of vibe to it. It definitely seems like the type of thing that the Native Americans did to keep their, their family in their, their, their homes each night. Right. Keep, keep, yeah. Keep them keep, from wandering out in the woods at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. You watch out, you know, the wind goes out there and he's going to get you. And like I said, lately, this has been like one of the more popular things. I've seen a lot of pictures. There's a lot of like horror things. I think just because of how, how crazy scary the thing looks, it is, um, you know. Yeah, and it even says here, too, that, you know, that it's been, uh, like, potentially, yeah, it can uh, possess, uh, like, human beings. Kind of, mm -hmm. so it, it has definitely, even beyond its physicality, has a very spiritual aspect to it. Yeah. And it has, like, it invokes it 
insatiable greed and hunger and then the desire to cannibalize other humans. And I think that's another thing of it. It's like a parable of like, you know, you know, he's got the devil in him kind of thing. Right. Maybe for lack of a better term mm-hmm. that they had. So Mothman versus Wendigo. I think this is open plains with trees. I think a little bit of woodland. There's woodland with plains Mm -hmm. with woodland. I think I kind of get the picture of the the new. Have you seen the new Predator movie, Ben? Oh, loved it. Yes. So I think loved it. I think you're the one that encouraged me to watch it too. I imagine similar to that, where you have plains, you have open land, then you have plain, you have woodland again. Um, Mm -hmm. So. And like I mean, in this one, as you kind of mentioned, looking at the descriptions here, I feel like we've got a, a vast dichotomy between the two. Even just like again, Mothman, you know, typically just appearing and making a presence, but beyond that, that's about it. Whereas the other ones, like straight up possessing people, eating people, killing people, like savage kind of thing. So there's a very much more pacifist versus you know tearing people apart kind of aspect. So you throw them in a death match. One of them's obviously got that bloodlust where the other one might not. Yeah, I feel like the, the in this scenario, the Mothman shows up as a as a person is walking through the woods and the person turns around and they see the Wendigo and they've been warm, so they take off running and it's really a question of whether the Mothman lets lets it happen. You know, it's the moth the Mothman's made the decision this time that it's gonna the death match has begun. They're going to fight. I think obviously flight makes a huge difference here. It always does. Um, But unlike the Thunderbird, we have the Mothman, as far as we know, does not have large talents. We don't have any reports or anything like, you know, indications that it has really much offensive capabilities at all. You know, and if you think of a, a, like, if you think of a human sized moth. Well, a seven foot tall muscular. So he's swole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it gives off like very angelic things to me, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Mothman is going to be intervening. Angelic in nature, it seems, right? That's kind of where I go to with this. Yeah. Right? Just based on some of the descriptions we've read. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of get the the angelic thing, like if it is like something warning somebody, is it somebody's guardian angel like kind of thing? You know, right. and we just can't kind of get the moth thing because maybe it's got, you know, maybe it's a helmet on. Maybe it's a whatever. Maybe he's just fuzzy. Yeah. Hmm. Could be. That's good. I never really thought of that example. And if, if you if you take that farther and you go like angelical, I mean, if you look at like, I feel like biblical descriptions, I mean, angels are pretty, there's some bad dudes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And not only. So this guy might have some strength. Exactly. So seven foot tall, you know, angel versus devil kind of thing going on. Honestly, this yeah. is kind of like a battle mm-hmm. of good versus evil. Oh, wow. That's what we're kind of going with. <laughs> so that's the question. I like it. That's the question. Who wins, right? So Mothman, yeah. it's dark outside for sure, right? Because it's got to be dark. But the Wendigo, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Wendigo is, uh, oh, that's a scary looking picture. I think the Wendigo acts first. I think the Wendigo is, is like yeah. smart, but mm-hmm. is definitely going to try to make its first move. I think Mothman comes in, misses a couple times, 
And I'm thinking like the classic Wendigo is going to be trying to reach out and grab it. I think maybe some type of like telepathical powers, maybe, you know? Yeah, I feel like the, the Wendigo would definitely be maybe a little more feral and kind of just violent. Whereas Mothman, I feel like he's very calculated, very uh, specific on things that he's doing. Yes. And again, if he's got that kind of, he knows things are going to happen. He has foresight. Like, as this Wendigo's clawing and scraping at him, he's, you know, just barely dodging out of the way, kind of Matrix, you know, able to dodge, like his move, he knows his moves before he even throws them kind of thing. Exactly. What do you think, Ben? I thought that. Yeah, I think this is going to be very, this is very, I think this is probably our most even matchup. I'd agree with that. Which is going to make this hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think with Wendigo having like telepathic powers, maybe. That kind of thing. With Mothman having mm-hmm. the power of foresight, I feel like they could almost like yeah. equal out to some extent. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think, I definitely think because both of them are going to be melee based creatures, right? Uh, I think the Mothman's throwing heavy blows. I think the Wendigo is throwing heavy blows and just like the spindly, awkward nature of it. Um, Wendigo, I say, definitely has more offensive stuff with like fangs, teeth, and claws. Yes. Versus mm-hmm. just pure kind of swelled muscles from some Mothman stuff. But I like to think that if if the Mothman is able to early on foresight and it says, oh, I know this punch is coming and then this punch is coming. Like you kind of get like that Sherlock Holmes-esque, you know, right. fighting Time style. Time slows down. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. analyzing and yeah, just seeing. Perry Blow. Yeah, the ultra, he goes ultra instinct and he's just able to dodge things as they're coming in. Man. Yeah, this is a hard one, I feel like. This is one where it's like really tough to say what's going on. Yeah, I feel like it would definitely be the longest drawn out oh, yes. fight. And it would it would come down to it, it would it would take a while and it would they would both be pretty messed up by the end. But like I I feel like I can come to a decision quickly just based on that foresight ability. Okay. On, on being able to because in that fact, you know, maybe Mothman already knows how the battle ends. That's true. Even beyond oh. just his 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 attacks moment oh. to moment, he already knows how the whole thing ends. Okay, Ben. Well, let's let's get your take on it. I don't know if I'd go that far with it, but I think he he definitely kind of. I think your your Sherlock Holmes thing is a good good example for it. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, I think like like we've already said, this is kind of a classic good versus evil, and I think good is going to win. Okay, so you're saying Mothman wins. You're saying Mothman pulls yeah. it out. I think he, he's going to get beat good. Yeah, he's going to get some claw marks, some scratches, yeah. some bites. Mm-hmm. He's going to have some torn wings. Mm. He may not be able to fly for a while, but he's going to come out victorious. I would agree with that. Okay, so we got two votes for Mothman. I I agree with it as well. I think I think the power of foresight is a huge deal here. I think. Um, I think that's going to play a, a role throughout all of this, though. I think mm-hmm. we can't say that it would autom- automatically knows it would win ahead of time. That's I think we, we have to carry that forward, but I think that's a good one. I think for this scenario, we can't say that, but the fact that it would maybe know that ahead of time makes a lot of sense. I, um, I definitely agree. I think the Wendigo probably tears it apart, uh, but the the Mothman will, with just thunderous blows. I think I think it pulls off an antler. 
uh, one of its antlers and stabs it through its chest and then like up through its jaw and oh. just ends it, you know? <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, okay. Mothman takes it. Least descriptive of, that we've done so far, but yeah, I think Mothman uh, is going to take that one to the bank and it's not going to enjoy the interest it paid. <laughs> so let's see here. That, that completes round, round one, doesn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, so they move on to the semifinals. And I think this one can we can probably go over pretty quickly. So we're we're going back to the other side of the bracket. So in the semifinals, we have Bigfoot versus Thunderbird. I think yeah. it, because I I think the Yeti is the superior of these two. I mm-hmm. I think you know the same kind of thing happens. I do think if we change up the locale, however. I think adding in a more wooded, a more wooded area with less room for the Thunderbird to work. Yeah. I think that definitely changes everything. I definitely think it gives the Bigfoot more of an opportunity to attack. Um, if we're not on the top of a mountain with steep cliffs, you know, and we're just in a, a wooded, you know, wooded terrain, some slight hills and stuff. What do you think, Ben? I mean, that's, that's a good, that's a pretty good hiccup there. With the wooded area, I never really thought of that. I mean, he'd really have to wait till he gets into a clearing, right? And, to really go at it. And if if he you know doesn't wait to then and just tries to go at it, you know, and make his way down through there, then you know mm-hmm. Bigfoot again, like master of stealth, like you know he's yeah. he might be hiding in a tree or behind something or, or under some leaves, and this, as soon as this bird gets to him, he might can grab him without the maneuverability being stuck in the trees of the bird, maybe. So do we think that the, that the Thunderbird would even attempt to attack mm. something in this swampy, like, you know, wooded terrain? Again, going to our, our kind of uh, precept that, you know, it being a death match and all of these creatures have yes. been like, you know, programmed. They've been programmed and, you know, told like, you know, you can kind of keep your distance in a little bit, but, you know, you kind of got a time limit. Like, you've got to gotta make mm. this happen. Well, I, they, all saying- have that, they, they all have that drive to accomplish this task i guess what i'm saying is would would the thunderbird even make the attack first though i'm saying would it would it just not even attack until it was in a better clearing is the guess the question and would Mm. the bigfoot be more likely to lure itself out like would it would the i guess what i'm saying is who's smarter i feel like bigfoot is smarter than thunderbird if we're going on that okay aspect what do you think i'd agree you think bigfoot's smarter I'd agree Bigfoot's smarter. I would say given this terrain switch and the intellect gap, I feel like th- this this has a, a, a difference than the Yeti one. Interesting. I, I do think the terrain is a big deal. Um, I don't know that Bigfoot's smarter. This is just me thinking birds are so smart. Hmm. So smart. And we're talking king bird here, right? If it's smarter than a raven... You know, and it can like utilize tools and understand certain things. It knows to drop things off or knows how to like True. open things up. I don't know. I don't know that it would that it would attack until Bigfoot was in an advantageous position. Well, to play devil's advocate to that, you know that then you get into the thing that because it, a Bigfoot, you know, falls more into it, it. It's the out of a lot of these, it's the main one that crosses into that. You know, more humanoid. Mm-hmm type of thing that does it have a level of just pure like consciousness and self-awareness that a bird would not you know because at the end of the day a bird i mean they're they're smart and 
you know, hunters and uh, instinctive creatures intellectually in that aspect. But, you know, a Bigfoot, you know, being, you know, the potential for it to being having a relation to humans and stuff, it could have some, some levels of logic there and that a bird might not. What do you think, Ben? I think with Bigfoot's intellect, he's going to know to stay in the woods. So he's going to stay in the woods. But I think with Thunderbird's superior eyesight and senses, he's still going to find them. Mm -hmm. And I think that Thunderbird, knowing that it's an arena fight and he's got to do it, he is going to barrel in there, wings back. I don't think he's going to hit him and swoop off because he can't through the trees. He is just going to hit him and he's going to pin him to the ground with those claws. And then I think he's just going to wreak havoc on his head with his beak. Just start tearing him, and tearing I think him it's, apart. Yeah I, think it's, yeah, I think it's lights out for Bigfoot. Ooh, Ooh okay. So that, that, yeah. that's what you're saying is happening. I mean, okay. yeah. that initial getting that dive bomb shock effect of that mm-hmm. initial impact concussion kind of thing to, you know, disable your opponent, I think that's a big advantage. <sighs> Man, it's hard to say. I, I. So, what do you say? I feel Josh? like I feel like it's tougher than the Yeti one for sure. You know, being confined in there, definitely. It, mm-hmm. it comes down to whether or not Bigfoot would be able to to dodge that first dive bomb and grab a hold of him. Uh, but again, those birds are pretty dang accurate and pretty fast and silent. True. God, I mean, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with the bird you're going bird so thunderbird thunderbird i'm voted out i think i think if once bigfoot's pinned to the ground on the rocky terrain i feel like the classic you know the the very hollywood trope of grab rock hitting head Almost, you kind of get that kind of thing. He's reaching out, you know, his hands yeah. going through the dirt and the grass, and then he finds just the stone. Just happens to have a rock, and then for some <laughs> reason it's not defended, and he th- like yeah, is he able finds to the stone and just starts bashing in the head. Because, like I said, I think if I, I, I think the Bigfoot being so strong would be able to just snap the legs essentially as soon as they're pinned down, and without a way for like it to grab come. the ankles and just twist. And I think it could just about. I yeah. mean, that's a good point too. <sighs> So Dang. I agree. I agree. I th- you might convince me. No, I'm not trying to convince you. This is just. No, you, no, you're not trying you, to. I'm just saying you, you might. You've already ruled. I think you've already ruled. Ben's already ruled. I I think for me, um, you know, I will say Bigfoot just as, you know, USA, USA, <laughs> right? <laughs> America's America scripted. But it is one of those things where I think if you if it was able to grab a hold and, and break something or like get one off, but I don't think. I, I would almost even say the Bigfoot's mortally wounded at that point. True. Because, yeah, it is. I can see that. Yeah, he's got lacerations that he doesn't have the medical knowledge how to fix. Yeah. I, mean, I imagine like a deep, like, you know, that it's not a thumb, but like that back claw. You know, I can just imagine yeah. how deep that would go into it. I imagine there's less fur, there's less sinew, there's less muscle True. than the Yeti, but still heavily, you know you know furred and like it's still more than most but it's less than the yeti yep. i imagine there would be pretty deep lacerations i imagine if it got it in the heart right off the bat it's over i imagine the beak would do a ton of damage you know if it, especially if it started going for the eyes or whatever first oh, yeah. i can just i'm just going bigfoot just to play wendigo's advocate here <laughs> that that 
the uh i think if a bigfoot got its big paws on anything it would probably break it all righty okay so we're gonna say we're gonna say thunderbird moves on thunderbird moves on okay so our next matchup is who is it mothman versus loch ness monster oh Mm. 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 that's a big hmm that is a big hmm this is an odd one yeah imagine the terrain doesn't even have to change that much we still have you know there's there's water there's open land areas and then obviously mothman's able to fly i feel like when it comes to intellect here mothman is leaps and bounds beyond the Loch Ness. i agree i think i i agree with that because you know I think I think of Loch Ness as a very much a. I just see it as a dinosaur. A dinosaur, yeah. Yeah. What like, do you think, Ben? Yeah, I I think I think Mothman is just going to go for that neck, and with his strength and wings, he's just going to pull that thing out of the water and just go to town on that neck. <laughs> You're going to rear naked choke a Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Talk That's about it. my dream, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I I think this quickly goes to the Mothman. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't feel like what I need saying? to debate that mm-hmm. one much. I yeah, I think the only place the Mothman would have an issue is is if I think Mothman would obviously use its flight to get to to negate the water issue. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like a couple mm-hmm. of like flyby attacks, it's punching or doing whatever, and then it, it gets the opportunity on like a missed strike by the Loch Ness monster to go behind. And it's probably going to be able yeah. to snap its neck. And I, I feel like, again, with that mm-hmm. stealthy, silent thing, like he's flying up high. That I don't know that that Loch Ness even knows where he is. And just out of the darkness, out of the sky, he just, you know, before the Loch Ness knows it, he's behind him and on his neck. Yeah. I feel like that's easy call. Okay. Uh, like I said, the only thing I can see going the Loch Ness's way is if it gets one bite. Yeah, a bite Ooh. from a Loch Ness can be pretty devastating. But one bite and, pull, and, and drags it underneath again. I think that's the only thing is if it's able to that's drag a, it under the water. Right. That's all Loch Ness has going for all it. All the moth dust, you know, begins to float to the top. Mm. I think that that is the biggest that is the biggest issue. But Ben, what's your take? What who, what? Give us your final. Yeah, it's Mothman. Mothman, Josh. Yep, I'm going Mothman. I'm going Mothman too. I think there is a world where the Mothman screws up. I think the power of foresight does make a difference, and I think that easily enough. Uh, you know, the Mothman will take this. Yeah. So I'm go ahead. I'm going to say it's the Mothman, but he doesn't feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> he is sad. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's only doing it because he has to. Oh my he's God. He's got other uh, citizens to warn about tragic events. So he's got to make it through this. Man. Well, see, this is not going at all how I thought. Cause I, you know, I, I had Yeti or somebody coming out on top hundred mm. percent, but you know, this Thunderbird, has made a big difference here because now we're going into the finals and guys, and it's Mothman versus Thunderbird. Mothman wow, versus Thunderbird. Okay. Wow, this is interesting. This is interesting, yeah. don't you think? Interesting matchup. Okay, so the Mothman <laughs> versus what's our terrain? I, I does it need to be a lot? I think you really have like an open. Some I, th- really, I some, think canyons. Some some kind of canyon area again with like a, okay. on on either ridge of some forced forced area a little bit maybe not gosh I'm, are we back in Linville? <laughs> oh my goodness well yeah <laughs> i th- i think 
you know, just kind of like almost like you see fighter pilots going through like these canyons and that yeah. kind of thing, or mm-hmm. even through Linville, oh. right? Like through the Linville we'll, Gorge. We'll use we'll use that that as our, our our test bed here. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know it doesn't have to be super wooded. I think you can have like a lot of because they're both mainly you know flying creatures. Right. So that on that fact, diving right into it, that whole grabbing and dropping aspect ain't gonna work. No. Well, unless you disabled Mothman's wings. Right. Right. The real thing is, I think Mothman foresight wise would have to know that you can't like it, they can't just collide into each other like no. two dragons like in game of they're, thrones or something like, like that dragon ball z kind of one come from the bottom one come from the top and they just collide and the like shockwave goes yeah. out as cool as it would be i think that'd be an issue <laughs> what do you think ben gosh yeah i don't know i i think i think the i think the mothman would have the most issues i think just because he's kind of he's like 50 percent air 50 percent ground mm. where the thunderbird thunderbird is like 100 percent air yeah right he's got the air assets so yeah it's gonna i don't know i, I will it's say weird. for for the mothman though i like i think he's the only one that is able to neutralize that first dive bomb attack yeah because he that bird's gonna he's like it's one it's worked for me three times at this point like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again I'm gonna do that dive bomb and at the last second Mothman's just like nope and just turns sideways just steps off to the side to an angle and bird just skids in the ground and kind of like skids off to the thing and just able to dodge it last second man I feel like this is more difficult like you said I think that is a good point 50 air 50 ground for Mothman but we've seen the we've seen already in our mind's eye in our mind palaces here that the the Thunderbird has been able to even those that are 100% terrestrial has been able to absolutely own them and so it does make this way more difficult I do think it opens up with like an opening shot missed by our Thunderbird I think Mothman is having to play more defensive. I see this turning into a little bit of a dogfight in the air, like an aerial dogfight. Absolutely. It's really who can get on each other's back. Right. I think that's that first thing. Bird comes in, does a dive bomb. Mothman dodges. Bird gets up, flies away. It kind of goes to that aerial dogfight you're talking about. Yeah. And I think the big, the big bonus that Mothman or sorry that that uh, Thunderbird has is the fact that it has an offensive weapon um, that it can use at the front of its body you know the Mothman as far as we know does not really have a mouth or anything like that so I think the fact that the Mothman or the the beak of the Thunderbird is like Mm. you know if it's able to if it's just clawing at the Mothman I I imagine it could fly faster than Mothman Mothman might be slightly more maneuverable and dexterous because it's able to, but I think the the Thunderbird is also very dexterous, but, but just because it's so much larger than the Mothman that the Mothman's able to do a little bit of like aerial maneuvers that can right. kind of outrun it or kind of make it like more difficult to turn or whatever. Right. That's a tough one. I feel like I would also, similarly to the uh, last, uh, with the Bigfoot one, that I feel like the Mothman might have a little more uh, advantageous on the kind of logical side of things with the intellect and stuff and be able to that might be it might be a battle of attrition kind of thing like after flying and just surviving that the mothman just has to outsmart this bird yeah mothman's got a little bit of like a superhero aspect too doesn't it it kind of feels like versus yeah. like just the animal what do you think ben oh uh, yeah yeah i agree with that i huh this is a hard one i think with mothman's 
maneuverability, I think is really going to give them the edge in the air. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if... Because, as we know, the only bird that can fly backwards is a hummingbird. Yeah. So, you know, Thunderbirds kind of, like, maybe some, like, hovering with the claw kind of things going, but it's mostly just swooping sort of things, whereas Mothman, yeah, he being smaller, he could probably maneuver all over the place. Raptors are just so good. They are. This is hard. This is very hard. Um, has anybody reached like what they think will happen in this? <sighs> I'm trying to like play it out in my head and kind of see like if my, my mind's movie eye, you know, this was a created scenario with how the Hasselos would go down. So yeah, Josh, I want Josh, you'll go first and then I'll go second. And then Ben, we're going to, you're our guest. Okay. And so you're going to be our final. On this. Have you? I don't know that you've okay. went first on your decision in one of these yet. Okay. Oh, that's true. We'll, well, say, we'll say you go first. <laughs> um. Okay. So I am going to go Thunderbird. Oh. I'm going Thunderbird just because it is it is a raptor. I can see it moving through the air. I think the the bite at the front and the tail the talons. I think it'll eventually catch the more annoying Mothman, slightly smaller. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, as a rebuttal to that, I'm going to go Mothman. Okay. Why do you think Mothman? I think he, he's, I think he has the, the intellect, the wits, the logic, his foresight ability. I think that he's, he, and I mean, as cunning and, and quick and agile as this bird is, it's, he's still a bird brain. You know, okay. <laughs> he, he's still just a bird. And I think Moth, birds are smart. I mean, yeah, but maybe not as smart as a, as a Mothman, <laughs> okay. as someone who can predict, you know, treacherous events. So well, I'm going there. So I'm saying Thunderbird grabs Mothman at some point in the air and then is able to just swoop up and grab it with its claws and like just absolutely eviscerate it. How are you saying that the Mothman kills Thunderbird? I think he definitely dodges it and he's going to kind of pull a nesting maneuver and just hop on its back and maybe break its neck or break its wings. Some kind of thing to immobilize it and then just punch it or, you know, take it out however he's able to. All right. Well, let's, it, it all comes down to this, Ben. Who is winning oh, the Cryptid Deathmatch? Like the final. I don't like this. Winner of the Cryptid Deathmatch. Man, you know, I, I can see both scenarios playing out. Right. This is really hard. But I think in the end... I think Thunderbird is America's cryptid. And America always wins. Uh. <laughs> I think I, I'm very, I was already thinking of it before John said it. I think Mothman is going to zip around and he's going to be hard to catch. But I think eventually Thunderbird's going to snatch him up and he's done so. Uh. Oh, well. So, hey, we're calling it the winner of the 2023 Cryptid Showdown is the Thunderbird. The Thunderbird. And you know what? I didn't even think about when you put the Thunderbird on there. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not think that that was going to go well for the Thunderbird. I was like, that's going to be going down pretty quick. But then once we actually started talking about it, yeah, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, you guys are right. You know, especially once Ben started telling us some more about it. Right. Which we kind of dove into it, found out about it, its skills and capabilities. It didn't really become... I mean, it, it kind of breezed through a lot of those things. It's just, it's, it's a, it's big, it's fast, you know, 
It's your, you know, if we're in that Pokemon Stadium, it's your Zapdos. Yeah, thank <laughs> thank the gods. There's no giant. There, there. We've not. There's not actually a bunch of giant eagles running around looking to kill us. You know, yeah, snatching up people. We see it now, <laughs> right? We see it now. There's those Chihuahuas. There's those like Chihuahua like armor things you can put on them because they are become like I think those are for coyotes, <laughs> but I think they're also for giant birds as well. Like you know, to, oh, wow. To keep them from being lifted away or, you know, being able to get grabbed onto. It is a fear for smaller animals. So I think if we take one of the most dangerous animals out there, which is a raptor, and put it, make it a hundred times bigger. The ultimate bird of prey. Yeah, owls. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, I forget his name. Joe Rogan had a guy on recently, um, and he was talking about, uh, they, I think they, they excavated some owl nest and they found like, I think it was like 70 like cat skeletons or something oh like that. Oh my gosh. It was something bananas. Like, oh, and wow. they're, they're like the ones kind of scooping up all these little, these little guys. Yeah. And they're super quiet too. I don't know if yes. you've ever heard the, have you ever seen that sound uh, yeah. experiment they do, Josh? Mm-hmm. They take like a set of microphones and they take different birds and they have them fly past. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know and what the, you're talking about. And for those who haven't heard about this or haven't seen it, they, they take several different birds like raven, hawk, whatever else, and then the owl flies past all of them and it's practically silent. Yeah, you don't hear nothing. Yeah. So what we're saying is if there was an owl man, yeah. he, he might have had an advantage. The a, watchman. A giant owl man. Yeah. An owl bear. <laughs> Gosh, man. Well, I didn't think the Mothman would get this far either. I didn't either. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never, I'm not, I'm not a Mothman fan. I kind of did. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. I was kind of hoping. Okay. I, I, he was my pick from the, I would say he was my pick from the beginning. Wow. I'm you, a Mothman fan. Are you? Part of that is due to my wife being like a huge Mothman fan. Well, I'm a Bigfoot guy, you know, Bigfoot Yeti man. Again, she also has a tattoo of him too, so. She does. Wow. Okay. So this has gone very interestingly to me. The Thunderbird was not who I picked winning this. I even put Bigfoot and Yeti on the same side of the bracket just because I didn't want them coming down to the finals because that's what I thought. Right. I was like, well, they're obviously the superior cryptids. Although that is a, a, a fun thing to imagine a Bigfoot and a Yeti going at it just But even then, I, I think the Yeti wins because yeah. obviously, you know, this is a bonus round, I think, because it has... It is yeah, just, honorable mention. It is just a yeah. much better in shape probably stronger and meaner and, than and the Bigfoot. Speaking of honorable mentions, you know, in our initial draft, we had also just looking at, you know, top mythological uh, things. We had uh, the Kraken in there as well, but decided to admit it just because that seems just like on a much, so much larger scale. Yeah. But on that fact, that just kind of popped in my head. What if we do a round two of this in the future on of mythological Mythological creatures? creatures. Would you want to come back for that, Ben? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you have fun with us yeah. today? Oh, Great time. <laughs> awesome. Loved it. Well, we had fun having you on and uh, ha- definitely in, you know, enjoyed having a guest on here, having I know. a third voice. I, exactly. It was a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to having more guests mm-hmm. in the future. Uh, we also got our awesome uh, present from from Ben because, remember, you guys can find his page. It's sci- uh, Sci-Fi or Die on Instagram, right, Ben? Yep. And yep. What, t- tell a little bit about your page. Uh, I mean, it's uh, I've been... Well, I started building bottles with a little kid, just like everybody. Um, I kind of quit for probably a good 14 years. Mm. And then I think it was around 2016. It was there when I was living in North Carolina. I kind of got back into it and I kind of just kind of morphed into kind of kit bashing. I actually didn't know at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then I kind of found, I mean, there's a whole community on like YouTube. Um, 
and that's that's like i'm not that good at it i just watch all these youtube videos and yeah. these guys are like insane yeah um and that's kind of and that's the cool thing about it too is like a lot of i don't think a lot of guys really sell their stuff i think it's really just a big information sharing for sure community yeah and it's just kind of like hey check like this is how you do it it's really neat um and it's really easy like anybody can do it yeah it's actually surprisingly cheap oh yeah um i've seen really cheap i've seen a few videos online from both um adam savage uh and it's tested youtube Mm -hmm. channel and uh, by association uh bill durand from the Punish Props um, YouTube channel. Both of them have, I've seen some videos on kit bashing and things, doing prop building, that kind of stuff. So there's some good information out there for sure to check out if you're, you know, having interested uh, in maybe building some props or doing your own little projects yourself. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I'll give one shout out. There's a, a new one on there I've seen, and he's actually from Virginia, your neighbor to the north, uh, Ravenstead. Ravenstead. Okay. okay. I suggest everybody check him out. He's, he's pretty new. But man, he just does these very simple, uh, and it's all D and D stuff. And he does these very simple, uh, I think it's just called scatter train. Mm. Um, just super simple, but it just comes out like amazing. And is this like, on YouTube or Instagram or YouTube, YouTube. Okay. Yep. Well, yeah, go, yeah. go check that out. Uh, give him a watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and don't forget guys, uh, if you also want to support the show, you guys can go on Patreon. Yeah. Com. Uh, speaking of checking people out, check us out on all our social media things. And yeah, like you said, you can support the show at patreon.com slash geek ETC podcast, uh, a dollar a month. You can help support the show, you know, help, uh, us continue to bring you cool, interesting content. Again, you know, we'll have our, uh, mythological creature death match probably in the future at I some like point. It, Look yeah. forward to that. Um, and yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at geek ETC podcast. Also on Twitter and search Geeky ETC Podcast on YouTube. Uh, give us a subscribe there. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube and any other major podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. And we release every Wednesday. Yes, every Wednesday. Uh, you come out at uh, 5 o'clock or 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on podcast platforms, and then you'll see it on YouTube at about 7 o'clock. That's awesome. Well, uh, I'll say this. I think uh, all of these guys would have fared better if they had friends. And remember, geeks keep you know fight better together. And so be out there, help each other out. If you see uh, Mothman trying to take on Wendigo, maybe, you know, help him out. Yeah, help He's out He's trying to help man. you out. <laughs> keep him alive so we can warn you about some cataclysmic event. Exactly. <laughs> that will end up taking you out anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no matter what, uh, who you decide to vote for to win your uh, Crypt of Death match, always remember to keep geeking out. <laughs> <laughs>